Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Go. Welcome once again to an action-packed episode of Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Tonight we're gonna party. Ooh. Like it's 1999. Oh, you made the joke first. <laughs> I did it first. I win. Oh. I'm very serious. I haven't started seeing it yet, but we will undoubtedly see it <laughs> 10, to, 10 to 12 times in the course of the episode. Well, anyway, we are taking a look at 1999 for our gentlemen. There's a oh, whole yeah. lot of crazy stuff for Bowie. It's something there's not a whole lot there's of crazy stuff. There's absolutely for nothing Bob. for Dylan. Almost nothing. But, um, yeah, but we will make it entertaining anyway because you know what we, we do because we care. We care. We care Jake. about you, and some we care about Bob. Some podcasts don't care, and some do, and we are, we're the latter. You know, like under the tags, it says hashtag caring. That's what we do. Hashtag Hashtag we care about you. I'm making a heart with my hands right now, Jake. I waited <laughs> that. I can't see that. I know. That's so why I had to tell you about it. Oh, right. So we just did. Well, I now I'm did. visualizing it. There. Boom. Done? Yep. Okay. Is it over your heart? Is it a heart? It is now. It wasn't at first, but now it is. Yeah. Okay. Sounds Double good. heart. Heart on heart. Heart, heart over heart. <laughs> that's the All name, right, that's the name of this podcast. What you don't have to talk about is <laughs> right. 1999, Jake. All right, we're just going to... We're going to party like it's 1999. Yeah, so um, I graduated high school in 1999. Woo! Woo! Party time. Uh, quick antidote that has, a quick antidote that has nothing to do about Bob Dylan or David Bowie. Okay, but has Jake. everything to do with 1999. Now, uh... So now this is this is this is how I remember it. I think this is true. So you, our class voted on our class song, and uh-huh. clearly which had to be Prince's nineteen ninety nine. It had to be, except that um, as I remember, a person that I knew, an acquaintance that I knew, started a started kind of a grassroots movement to vote uh-huh. for a different song. And uh-huh. as I remember, that different song was "Hits from the Bong," from by. Um, <laughs> By uh, who's the band that did hits from the bong? Hits Cypress from Hill. the bong, Cypress Hill. Thank you, Chad. I know you're a big Cypress yeah, Hill fan. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a lifestyle for you. I get it. <laughs> oh, gee. And um, as I remember it, they, the song "Hits from the Bong" actually won, but obviously they weren't. They couldn't do that, so it was like, "We'll just default to 1999 by Prince," just like every other high school in America. Uh, that's good. Anyway, that's more. That grassroots movement is more than what Bob Dylan did in 1999. He, he voted. He did. He did vote for it. Everybody, just to go down. Yeah, he, he, he did voted, vote. He oh well, you know. I mean, you know. He showed him. up in a small town of Wisconsin. And he voted for it really quick, and they left. It was the first activist thing he'd done <laughs> since 1964. Okay? There, I said it. <laughs> he came to a rally for hits from the bog. <laughs> Joan Baez was there oh, as well. Man. I would have said Priscilla Nelson. Joan Baez was they there as well. Really she pleased was, to hear that. Joan was so, there. So, if you're listening right now. <laughs> Which we know you are. <laughs> Send us an email, and uh, I don't know. 
at, we'll go from there. You can guest on the show. At Cypress Hill 1999. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're still together. I have no clue. I have no clue either. You'll probably look it up while I'm... I'll look it up. Next just, we'll see what you're just about to say. All right, so we'll do, we'll do never-ending tour. Now... This is this is kind of crazy. He did, did they a never ending tour end in 1999? Uh, let me check my notes. Nope, still going. Uh, in fact, um, he did 119 shows in 1999. <laughs> That's ridiculous. He did. He was touring constantly. From Bowie, Bowie did like six, and he released an album in 1999. <laughs> Yeah, this this is this might be the most that we've done so far. That's almost 120 shows. That's crazy. That's one every three Dark. days for the entire year. So he went uh, he went from January 26th through November 20th constantly. He just toured for 11, well, 10 months out of the year without stopping. He did 98 in North America. He did 21 in Europe. He did 38 dates with his old frenemy Paul Simon. Oh. oh! Have they ever performed? Have they ever like toured before? Um, I don't think so. And they actually played together on the tour. And we have a little critics' corner for you. Uh, speaking of the dates with Paul Simon <laughs> and Bob Dylan, somebody's called it quote a streak of smiling, dancing, harmonica wailing, well, oh, I can't read my own writing, well enunciated performances. <laughs> Well enunciated is like the biggest compliment That's you can give Bob Dylan. That's gotta be for Paul Simon's part. We know we know Bob didn't enunciate anything. Um, yeah, apparently they when they played a part, they were actually quite good, but getting getting them together was not was not exactly great. So uh, the next one okay. is quote trying to harmonize with Mr. Dylan is like trying to catch a fly with chopsticks. <laughs> And I somebody did, was watching. Somebody was watching Karate Kid. <laughs> I did listen. I did listen to a rendition of the Boxer, um, which of course Bob Dylan had covered on Self Portrait, and is oh, that's one, right. of, I forgot about that. one of Simon's uh, one of Simon's greatest songs. And it's sounds great. It sounds terrible. It's just really oh, bad. They can't. Bad. They just can't get it together. I, I doubt they rehearsed it or anything like that. Um, hey, I'm going to throw just a brief tangent related to Paul Simon. Please, because. Uh, you know, Simon and Garfunkel released a, one of their famous songs is "Baby Di- Baby Driver." Yes. Ba 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 baby driver. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't remember mm-hmm. the whole lot, you know. It has a baby driver. Tell me about your pigtails, something about your sex appeal. Which just realized that sounds really creepy. Uh yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look up the lyrics to figure out if this is a creepy song or not. I'm sure it, it sounds is. Kind of creepy. I'm sure. It is. Anyway, I watched the movie Baby Driver last night. Have you That's seen a, that movie? Jane? It's a great movie. I liked it. It's a great. Okay, and it's just there was so much. Rock and music in there. There was Definitely. no Dylan or Bowie. No, it's a little surprising. No Dylan made the cut. It I think it was like a little, music that would have had some there. I think it was. Oh, a little they had too a lot obvious. of seventies and stuff. There's a lot of seventies music. It's a little surprising. That neither one of them made it in there at all. I think they were too obvious. Would be my guess. This was kind of like a yeah, cool. Some, yeah, that's true. It's like there's a Tarantino kind of a thing there. where like you can't put the obvious song. I mean, tequila's in there. Tequila I know, Jake. but that's a novelty. That's a novelty song. Sure, but this was not. You know. Easy like Sunday morning was on. You know, there's some there's some big songs. Oh, I love saying. that song. I'm just saying, I don't know. Anyway, okay, it had some great music. Saying. It was a really cool movie. I liked it, and I'm gonna go watch it instead of talking to you right now because I don't you know. Release it, you know. I rented it digitally, and it's still there. I don't go back for a couple more days. That's your anecdote. You watched a movie last night. Yeah, in my second anecdote, Cypress Hill is still around. Yes. and they released a new album just last year. And is it called called, called Elephants on Acid? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, you know, it's a sequel of sorts to Hippos on Weed. Their Hippos last, on Weed. Their last album. <laughs> 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 it's going to be like Flamingos on Junk. <laughs> this is, they're going to riff on this for quite a while. They could go for a... There's a lot of drugs and a lot of animals out there. Mm-hmm. 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 You could stay in the jungle and just keep it going. Anywho, uh, he did some other dates. Bob Dylan is not Cypress Hill. Did some other dates with <laughs> Phil Lesh and friends. Phil Lesh is a probably former, also Cypress Hill, but yes, former member of the Grateful Dead. Which this marks yet another collaboration with a Grateful Dead member. Uh, <laughs> Man, he loved he loved him. He was a deadhead, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a deadhead. Well, he tried to join the band. He still, in that, probably still is. He tried to join the band in 1989. I they know wouldn't he did. let him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this brings me. This brings me to. Yeah, I want you to write an elaborate alternate history novel in which Bob joins the Grateful Dead in 1989. You know, he might just do it himself. It'll be Chronicles it Volume Two. Still, and he's still a member now. I'm like I joined the band in '89, and the rest was history. <laughs> Everyone's like, "No, you did not What you're yes, doing? I did. <laughs> Well, you're to Gary, Jerry Garcia die. Uh, 95. 95. I knew that. So then, in this alternate history, Bob just completely takes over the band in 1995 okay. in the wake of Jerry Garcia's death. Yep. And I don't know if they're... To, I like this. Keep going. <laughs> no, I, that's all. I'm out of ideas. I don't know enough about the history of the Grateful Dead. <laughs> well, you don't need to. It's made up. So you could just be like, uh, the Grateful well, Dead cause, okay, cause they, laid they on the really moon. Stop. I thought they kept going for a while without Garcia. They do. They, they still are. They, they've been called various names. They're, they've been called The Dead. They've been called The Other Guys. They've been called various... And they've all had like their own bands that also play Grateful Dead music. So okay. The Grateful right. Dead are not dead. <laughs> Anyway, in the alternate history, uh-huh. they continue going as the Grateful Dead with Bob in charge, who never returns to his solo career. Yep. I like this. And occasionally stops touring. He has one year in which he doesn't tour, and the never any tour streak is broken. And then they play... To throw in some interest. And then they play on the moon in 2011. <laughs> they play on the moon. <laughs> yeah. They join Space Force as the house band. This is great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right, it can keep going well into the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, they'll, they'll, get near, speculative. they'll get near a black hole and somehow gain immortality from the time yeah. shift, you know, based on the gravity yep. there. And they'll mm-hmm. just play. The never-ending tour will truly never but end. But in the process, they actually turn into Dayglow Bears. Yep. And also Jerry Garcia that's how they is... Gain, that's how they gain immortality. Jerry Garcia is hanging out at the black hole. That's where he went after he died. <laughs> and there there gets to be a little bit of a rift between Bob and Jerry. And um, and everyone's smoking marijuana. And then they everyone. win And then they win a Grammy in 2052 for Best <laughs> <New> Space <laughs> Band. <laughs> New laws are passed requiring everyone that they have to smoke pot. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like... It's not just that it's legalized... You have to do it. Yeah, the liberal cult takes over, finally. <laughs> and you have to smoke pot. <laughs> and you have to listen to The Grateful Dead as fronted by Bob Dylan forever. <laughs> In space. In space. <laughs> wow. Whoa, man. Hey. We're never going to top this, Jake. Uh, Might as well stop the podcast now. This is our final thought on uh, life. <laughs> this, is, this, right is what it, this is what it's all been leading to. In fact, it's been an elaborate it's been an elaborate con <laughs> leading to this moment. 
<laughs> an elaborate 35 hour lockout. <laughs> well, it's way more than 35 hours, baby. Okay, anyway, I was going to say a little, here's a little quick thing about his uh, involvement with members of the original uh, lineup of the Grateful Dead. Yeah. So there were, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, let's. Yeah, this is this is a this is dumb. I'm not going to say this anymore. I'm I'm canceling. Okay. I'm canceling hey, cool. it. <laughs> I'm right. canceling it. All right. Let's say some other things that Bob Dylan did. Uh, oh, Charlie Sexton joined the fray in 1999. Hey, our old pal uh, Charlie. Leading to the early part of the the next decade, where his best live bands apparently, and Charlie Sexton was a big part of that. So welcome aboard, Charlie. Nice one, Charlie. All right. Some other Good things name. he did. Good name. He played. <laughs> Bob Dylan is fond of um, getting paid probably massive amounts of money to, in his latter day career anyway, to join these weird benefit shows. So here's another yeah. one. Um, this one's called, and you might want to take a nap while I say the entire name of this. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Why don't you go watch uh, Baby Driver? Eric Clapton. Yeah, well, yeah. Eric Clapton and Friends in concert. Semicolon. A benefit for the Crossroads Center of Antigua. That's oh, I thought it was gonna be longer. Yeah, me too. But he said long, he's done longer titles before. I You've think he has. Well, his his tour with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and yeah, that was the, the good, that was the, 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 gold. the Queens of Rhythm that really, and that all was that gold. Stuff. Anyway, you know, I just I took a I took a gander on YouTube. I did my due diligence about this concert. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a bunch of white guys playing blues together. That's pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, as as that's, late nineties. That's, that's what Eric Clapton does. As yep. late nineties benefit concerts do all the time. Um, but I did happen upon Bob Dylan playing a guitar solo jazz. And that seems unusual. It was unusual, and it was not exactly ripping. But he's a good he's a good blues guitar player, you know. How many licks? I mean, did you count the number of licks? There weren't that many licks. It was more like kind of a you know um, in Nirvana's uh, "Come as You Are." He kind of plays that. Mm-hmm. No, and it's not "Come as." What's the one with the one note solo? Anyway, it was a little bit of a one-note <laughs> solo. It, it kind of worked. Okay. It, it kind of worked in the song, and he was playing some rip and rhythm. So, uh-huh. good for him. He he does still know how to play the guitar, or at least he did hey. in 1999. That was 20 he years ago. That was 20. You might have forgotten. Hey man, I graduated high school 20 years ago. What? 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 You should All right. be at your reunion right now. <laughs> I should be driving there. I could see you on the way. Yeah, you can stay at our house. I don't want to do that. I would like to stay okay. at the, um, whatever the hotel in Osceola is called now. What's that called? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The, the come on in, guys, hotel. Come on in. That's a, that's a joke right there, Jake. I know. Yeah. Come I know. on in. But then I ruined it. You by stop guys there. The stop there. Come on in, guys, hotel. Oh, you wrecked it. <laughs> wrecked it. <laughs> Um, he participated indirectly in, there was a, there was a TV movie called the sixties in 1999. Mm-hmm. Hey, and Bob was alive during the sixties. He was, and he was a big, he was culture, culturally relevant. Then. His music was a big part of it. And so, um, they, everyone got together and celebrated that by having Joan Osborne cover chimes of freedom for that. Why would that happen? Because that was the era when they what were like, what did Joan Osborne have to do with the sixties? Nothing, but it was one of those deals where they, like, instead of licensing the actual music, they were like, hey, Joan, why don't you sing Chimes of Freedom and we'll we'll just give 10% of the royalties to Bob and not tell him about it or whatever. <laughs> However, that oh, all works out. Cool. Yeah, cool. so that happened, and then cool. a movie called The Hurricane came out. 
And that, of course, was about uh, Reuben Carter, who was a big figure in the 70s. He was wrongly accused of killing three people, and he was later exonerated for his crimes. Can I, can I just tell you right now that he I was, was a hoping boxer. it was like a, a big like thriller like inspired by Twister, you know? <laughs> I was hoping there was a subgenre of natural disaster movies related to the 80s, which would have totally made sense. Oh, that would have been gold, baby. And I was hoping that Bob had something to do with a movie about a like the biggest hurricane ever, and yeah. he somehow survives it. And or then, maybe he doesn't, because he'd probably be a side character that just gets you know washed away. Maybe playing his guitar while flying through the sky. Well, of course, of course. I don't, don't want to write, write the script for you know, people at Hollywood. You've, but. you've done quite enough script writing today, and I think... <laughs> I think I think you're out of you're out of juice at this point. Yeah, all right, that's fine. Well, the reason that he's in it, of course, is his song called "The Hurricane." So I oh, imagine yeah, yeah, that yeah. if there was a, t- a a bad disaster flick called "The Hurricane," they would have asked. I'm going sh- to share something really personal here, Jake, and that's that I saw Twister on my first date ever. Whoa! I that know. Is, that's, I know. That's twisted, is what that is. I mean, well, I'm just saying, you know. There you go. There okay. you go, ladies. And Your anecdotes are really just like. They're just on the mark today. They're like, boom. <laughs> well, good. I'm, They're like, but boom. glad you're enjoying them. <laughs> <laughs> I am. They're, they have nothing to do with anything, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, I was saying some joke about a hurricane. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, obviously, Bob's song was crucial, and his involvement in this was at least somewhat crucial in getting this guy off <clears throat> of prison. Uh, but it's also a movie about his life. So Denzel Washington stars in it. I remember when okay. that came out. It was kind of a big deal. Now, that's not the only movie, Chaz, that Bob Dylan it's not. participated in in 1999. This is probably the worst movie that Bob Dylan was ever oh, involved in at all, and which he's is done some saying doozies. something. He's done some doozies, yeah. Now, it filmed in 1995, and it spent time in development hell. And Bob <laughs> is just, he is... Which is always a good sign for the quality of the film. Absolutely. When it comes out, when it films in 95, goes through development hell, then comes out on home video in 1999, that's a great sign. Skipping the theater. Skipping the theater altogether. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's not... Guaranteed, it is a, it's a good one. And also, it's not available anywhere right now. I, I did find the I did find the trailer and I'm going to read you the trailer, okay? Okay. <clears throat> this is a little BVD theater. We have another theater piece coming out later, but there's a little this movie's called Paradise Cove. Uh, Paradise Bob, Cove. Paradise mm. Cove. I hope it doesn't get hit by a hurricane. This is a quote <laughs> or the hurricane. The quote, hurricane. Film noir involving Indian casinos, ex cons seeking redemption, FBI agents, and a Ruthless family of gangsters. That's all in this Sounds movie, so Chaz. Good. Paradise so Cove. Paradise, Paradise Cove. Cove. Uh, Bob plays a. He's in it for just a couple of seconds, and he he plays a chauffeur. He's apparently. I can't find the the clip online, but he's standing outside of a limousine, and he's a chauffeur for one of the gangsters, I guess. Okay. This is one of those weird things where, like, this is Bob Dylan. You know, like, people track his bowel movements, basically. But there's no, nobody can really agree online about what, what he was doing in this movie, why he was in the movie. Like, the quality is just garbage. It's not even, like, a Hollywood movie. It's uh-huh. like some Italian, like, low-rent production. And uh, nobody really knows what he was, you know, what, what his scene was about. <laughs> like, did he have a line? Like, nobody knows. It's kind of a weird mystery. But... To, illust- to illustrate this, I'm going to uh, do a little BVD theater reading of the 
uh, of the trailer of the movie, which I found online. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Oh, hold on here. In a shadowy waterfront town, the son of a ruthless gangster. He was my father! He should have looked out for me! Now I'm looking out for myself. <laughs> Seeks revenge. You wanna get him good? You wanna get him where it hurts? He had evidence. He had evidence to take down Jagani? You're playing a very dangerous game. One wrong step and your life won't be worth spit. A new kind of hero is born. You are a small time nothing. They'll be picking up the pieces of you right here in Paradise Cove. Fine. The end. Yeah. The end. The end. The end. Thank I you. am just applauding. I'm like, I'm giving you a standing <laughs> ovation right now, Jake. You can't see me standing, but I'm standing yeah. right now. You're standing. The heart. It's right there. I'm going to get some clapping going. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. That was, it was stunning. It was your greatest role. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was the part I was, it was the multiple parts I was born to play of bad New Jersey accents. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, man. <laughs> now I'm kicking myself, because Bowie was in a bad movie this year, and yeah. I wish I had recreated the trailer like you just did, because it was something that was almost the same plot. Well, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> now, that, now that's amazing. Except, except that in London instead of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> except London. All right, we're gonna do another BVD theater performance. BVD we'll, theater. Well, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that later during points since I don't have any points. Oh, okay. Um, so right, for the rest of my for the rest of my time here, I'm just I'm gonna take us down a really fun little rabbit hole, James or James. That's my son again. James. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know I really disappeared into that role, and now I can't get back, I can't get back out. You just stop method acting. acting I gotta stop. Taking its toll on you. Just slap myself in the face. Get over it. Okay. Uh, it was announced this uh, in the last couple weeks that a Bob Dylan musical named "Girl from the North Country" is going to. Oh is, yeah, I saw something about that. Is set to play Broadway uh, starting in 2020. Guess oh, where man. it's been, Chaz? Uh, this last year, if it's not been on Broadway, where do you think it's been? Did it win an Obie Award, Jay? Can I just cut to the chase and ask you that? Well, we're going to go down a nice little rabbit hole, but I want, I want you to answer the question because right. you're clearly be confused. Off Broadway. It has been off or Broadway. London, or London's West End. One uh, of those two. It, <laughs> it, it actually played in West End before it came to Off Broadway. Oh, okay. So it started out over there. It is, it is a, a musical uh, with lyrics and a book by Connor McPherson, who is also the director. Um, he also directed The Good Thief, and that is a play in which a actor named Brian Darcy won an Obie Award. Nice. Now, I wanted to know about Girl from the North Country. I spent the last year uh, Sure. Off, now, is this like a full-blown, you know, jukebox musical here? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, I think so. It is set in 1934, and it offers a slice-of-life look at a fictional uh, Duluth, Minnesota. And somebody okay. somebody like owns a hotel, and a bunch of characters come through. Um uh-huh. It sounds. Can we can we assume that nobody who wrote it has actually been to Minnesota? I don't know. Yeah, probably. Or at least at least <laughs> Duluth. How these things go. I mean, Duluth Duluth is far far away. Everything I know I'm about a Minnesota Duluth, resident myself. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just getting mad about it already. Even though maybe they got it right. I don't know. You can be mad all you want, Chaz. I will. That's your right as Thanks. an American, as a Minnesotan. Thank you for the permission. Okay. To be mad. Now 
Chaz, I just I, I went I went on the Obi website, which is a terrible mistake. I, I think you've done this before. It <laughs> is done it as well. the most confusing thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the Obi Awards website would not win an Obi Award. I have no, no idea who won an award, who got nominated, what there's like little there's like little tiers of them. Like there's something called Outer Critics Circle, there's something called you know, the Obi Award. I don't know which is which. But here is all of the Here's all of the Obie Awards that Girl from the North Country was either either won or was nominated for or was not an Obie Award at all but was on the Obie Award website. Okay? Okay. Here we I, go. That didn't make any sense, but go on it. I know. It doesn't make any sense to me either. I'm still – I went in the rabbit hole for Obies and I'm still in it. I'm still in there. I'm down the rabbit hole with the Obies right now. <laughs> never, he, he never came back. I came, he never came back. I've been screaming for help for days, and no one has helped me. I'm pretty sure I'm dead. Okay. Uh, outstanding featured actor in a musical, Sidney James Harcourt. Outstanding orchestrations, Simon Hale. Set design for a musical, Ray Smith. Sound design for a musical, Simon Baker. Uh, let's see here. Outstanding new off-Broadway musical award. That's the whole play. Outstanding, uh-huh. outstanding book of a musical, Connor McPherson. Outstanding actress in a musical, on or off-Broadway, Mayor Will, Will, uh, Winningham? Willingham. Outstanding musical nomination, on or off-Broadway, Girl from North Country. Okay, then lead actor in a musical, Nomination, a lead actor in a musical nomination, a featured actor in a musical nomination, a featured actress in a musical nomination. And I can't tell if they won any of those or lost terribly or what happened. I have no idea. No, no <laughs> okay. Clue. So I just wanted to point that out there. Something adjacent to Bob Dylan has been, it's just plastered all over the OB This Awards. has nothing to do with 1999, right? Nope. This was just uh, this was just a stray thought. Part way through, I lost my way. I couldn't remember if this was relevant or not. <laughs> it's not at all. I'm glad to hear it's not. <laughs> oh, it's not at all. In fact, uh, I'm going to hand the irrelevant torch off to you. So, well, I have some relevant thing. Relevant to 1999, yeah. anyway. Okay. And I'll I take want, your word for it. I want, I want you to imagine something, Jake, for me. I want you Ooh. to imagine that it's Ooh. 1999. I can't imagine that. I remember that. That you you sit down at your computer. Yep. Which, and the monitor is, like, huge at the back. That's this gigantic box monitor. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wireless. Nothing. No. Ethernet everywhere. Just flying around. You open up the CD tray. Okay. On your t- your tower. Yeah. And you put in mm. a disc. Mm. And close it. Mm-hmm. And some pixelated, slightly, only slightly pixelated graphics <laughs> come up. Uh-huh. Suggesting that... Uh, the people of Omicron need your help. What? Omicron? And they need you to come in and save them from something. I can't remember. <laughs> okay. That's going to be crucial information. I'm going to need to know what to save them from. <laughs> and then you do it. Yeah, yeah, I save them? And you spend the next, like, 12 hours of your life Yeah. playing an incredibly interactive uh, immersive mm-hmm. game wow. set in a futuristic city called Omicron. Yep. Solving a mystery about a murder committed by a demon or something. <laughs> yeah. And listening to David <laughs> Bowie songs while doing it. <laughs> this sounds very 1999. Omicron, the nomad soul. <laughs> Bowie 
Bonnie was heavily involved with oh Omicron, the Nomad Soul. Oh, boy. In 1999 video game. Oh, man. Which was, yeah, really very immersive and all the other stuff I just said. It's all true. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Bowie didn't, like, make the video game or anything. He was brought in, like, later. But he notably recorded, like, ten new songs for this video game. Um, the song was, like... New songs? New songs. New songs, yes. Brand wow. new songs. Okay. Um, he also plays multiple characters in the game. Omicron, the Nomad Soul. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Omicron, Mrs. Omicron. Oz, who is a computer god or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he is also the lead singer of The Dreamers. Yes. Which also features digital versions of real-life people, Reeves Gabriels and Gail Ann Dorsey. Big people hits. Who, you know, played with Bowie all the time. Big hits from The And dreams. there are, like, multiple in-game song performances. Like, you can watch these, like, digital <laughs> performances of these songs with, like, Digital versions of Bowie and Reese Gabriels yeah. and Gail Anderson. Those are my favorite kinds of the, all those people, by the way. And uh, also, his wife Iman is in it too. Oh, good! Iman gets a little gets a little. Uh... Yeah, she plays a bodyguard or something. Anyway, I I have actually played this game. In the wake of Bowie's death in 2016, it was available for free on this thing called Steam, which is like the uh, it's like the iTunes of video games. Right, Steam. You, play, you can play. Steam. Steam. I have no idea what that so is. So anyway, they were for for a week after Bowie's death, they offered this game for free. I'm like, I'm there. I don't know what Steam is, but I'm going to get this free game here. I'm going to give them my email address and my social security number. Here we go. <laughs> Check. And uh, so I played it at the time. Apparently I can't play it now because it can only work on a PC, and my PC is long dead. It probably was dying while I was... It definitely was dying while I was playing. It was, Omicron, the Nomad Soul. It was dead in 1999. Three and a half years ago. Three and a half, wait. Three and a half years ago. Yeah, he died in 20... Yeah, okay. So three and a half years ago. Okay. So there's no way that that, that puppy's going to play it now, and I have the Mac now, and it won't play it. But Aww. I was going to play it a little bit, you got in, in preparation for this episode. But I did play it for a while, that. So you're like, you, you like go into this cop's body, and then you're like trying to solve this mystery in a futuristic city. And there's, like, hundreds of different characters around. It's this big, immersive... I don't know. I didn't play it long enough to, you know, properly get into it. There's mixed <laughs> reviews on it, which we'll get into later. Okay. But it is, like, a very immersive, very, like, ambitious game. Okay. For the time. And there's a lot of people with some fond memories of it. I think it's, like, a semi-important game for the time. Oh, okay. And Bowie was, like, predicting this and seeing art like this. And he liked this idea of this really, like, of seeing what digital technologies could do. Yeah, so it's yeah. not surprising he got involved in this thing. And, uh, and Bowie did write 10 new songs for it, which I think That's I only got as far in my playing to hear one of them, but uh, <laughs> that is the thing that happened. Okay, you were, you were immersed. <laughs> and Everyone... it, it completely <laughs> led into, because the songs that he it became the basis for his 1999 album, Hours, which was released in October of 1999. Hours. I'm sorry by saying that Hours is one of his worst albums. Too bad. Too bad. I know, it's kind of a weird... Jump back in quality because his two previous to that are pretty solid, pretty good ones. Right, and his two after that are solid, good ones. And this one just kind of sits in the middle, and it just kind of stinks. Hmm. It's not like a complete train wreck, you know. This isn't. We're not like going back to you know Never Let Me Doubt or something. Yeah, well, of course not. We'll talk more about that too. Anyway, it's called Hours. Yeah, it is notably the only Bowie album with a co-writer on every single track, and that is Reeves Gabriel. Reeves Gabriel. Who was involved a lot in the 90s and was also in, I don't know, Jake, Tin Machine. Ever heard of Tin Machine? Here, you know, I had a little anecdote about that. 
Tin Machine yeah. was the biggest rock band in the world in 1990. No, 1989. That's my anecdote. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's not Which true. Which was really not true and not even really an anecdote. Also, I'm wondering if he should have called his album Minutes or Seconds instead of Hours. Well, it probably would have been more enjoyable if it were shorter, so <laughs> I'm going to actually endorse that right there. Cool. Cool. We agree. Because <laughs> uh, we'll get more of the quality later. It's one of those albums, though, where like every song is just a little too long. You know? Yeah, yeah. Where if you cut like a minute off of every song, it would be a better album. Yes. Everything just goes on for longer it than just it needs kinda, to. Just kind of hangs out for a while. Yeah. Languishing. So yeah, it was him and, and Reeves Gabriel hanging out. They wrote the songs together for our for for Omicron, the Nomad Soul, also. <laughs> They were also recording at the same time as oh, Gabriel's album from the, like his own solo album at the time, which I did not read down the name of because who cares? <laughs> Bob, ouch! Ouch to it's Reeves. Just all, all this stuff just kind of. Ouch kinda to Reeves. Not good. Just kind of. I don't no know. No respect, I don't know. man. No, I don't know. Reeves isn't. Reeves, nah, we all know. Right. Reeves, you're listening. We know you are. <laughs> we. I apologize on behalf of. He's all right. Versus, he's he's fine. He's a Reeves. Well, he was not. Reeves, he, you're he fine. He was the second best member of Tin Machine, to be completely fair. So, and that's you know, and Bowie was the third best member. So, <laughs> that's not true. Too. I never say that. Fourth best. Never say that. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> the be- well, didn't the uh, drummer have the back tattoo or something? I like that. guy. Oh yeah, he was the worst member of Tin Machine. Oh, I'm into that guy. He's the best. <laughs> I don't know, he like even say that I'm worried he's going to come over and beat me up or something. He we call like him. Uh, that might. We call him back tap. Is uh, Hunt Sales? His name is Hunt. Hunt, Jake. Hunt. Hunt. <laughs> Hunt Sales. Let's, talk, let's get back to hours, though. Here, Jake. Yeah. You're just you're, you're pulling me away from something I don't actually want to talk about. Let's talk about the sound of hours, Jake, because we're coming off of the '90s when Bowie was going full blown electronica. You know, Ooh. 1995's outside is pretty industrial. 1997's Earthling is pretty drum and bass. There's oh, yeah. more going on in both of them, you know, than that. But there's a lot going on. Yeah. And 1999's Hours is a laid-back adult contemporary. <laughs> hey, just for a change mm-hmm. of pace. All right. It's just so relaxed and so... Oh, so dreamy. Gentle. It was originally <laughs> going to be called The Dreamers, apparently, and he changed the name to The Hours instead for some reason. Oh, I like The Dreamers better. The Dreamers. There's a song called The Dreamers on there. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a shift in sound. It's more if laid you, back, adult, contemporary. Would you like it it's to be in, called? It's inoffensive, Jake. I'm going to call it inoffensive. Now, was there a clear uh, was there a clear sound or trend or something that he was jumping on for this? Why, why was no, it adult, contemporary? No, no, he really wasn't. This was well, I'm marked the first time in a while he wasn't jumping on a trend. It just more feels like he's given up, kind of. Oh, that's a bummer. Like, I know, I'm making this album sound worse than it is. It's just so bland. Yeah. Like, it's too bland to be a truly awful album. Like, right. Like, be a disaster, like Never Let Me Down, or Tonight. Yeah. Or Tin Machine, for that matter. <laughs> like, it's it's not in your face enough to do that. It's just so bland. And so forgettable. And, you know, yeah. you realize, like, the album's over, you're like, oh, I didn't, I, I, I thought we were on track four. I didn't pay any just, attention pay whatsoever. Attention to it. Yeah. So yeah. he's veered into, like, when Dylan is really boring and bad. That's kind of what yeah. Dylan's yeah. like. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so it does mark a pretty big jump in sound from the rest one, which he would continue on up through 2013's uh, The Next Day. But the other three albums he made in this sound are far better, so. Okay. 
good one for that, Bowie, later on. Way to go, Bowie, later, but not, not nice now. Anymore. But not now. You know, a couple notable things. Is Bowie still his finger on the pulse of something or other? Because, you know, he was running his own website at the time. He's doing all kinds of stuff with that. He had he held a cyber song contest for this album, Jake. A cyber song contest? That sounds In which typical. people were invited to uh, submit lyrics for one of his songs on this album. Submit and the, the lyrics. Winner got, the winner actually, like... You, they used some of his lyrics what? for this song. That's kind of crazy. And I know. <clears throat> and the guy got to go like fly out to wherever it was, New York or wherever this was uh, was recorded, and uh, he did some backing vocals on the song also. So the song "What's Really Happening" from Hours has <laughs> got a co-write from Alex Grant. That's kind of neat. Who won the Cyber Song Contest? That was kind of cool. So now, what like uh, did he did he answer the question like What is really happening? Did he answer that? You just gotta listen to the song and find out, Jake. Oh, I'm not gonna do that. No, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, because you'll lose interest and stop listening like twenty seconds in, and you I know, was hoping you'll I could, find out the answer. I was hoping I could get like a BuzzFeed headline just to tell me like what's really happening. <laughs> what is really what's happening? really happening? BuzzFeed top ten things that are really happening. <laughs> the thirty six things that are really happening <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Also notable, so this is the other you know, big finger on the pulse thing. He was this album was the first major label artist to release a complete album over the internet. Wow, the first time! This is years, this is, oh, this is wow. years before iTunes, you know. Oh yeah, two yeah, and at he least released two years. hours entirely over the internet. He wow. was doing all these like promotions on his website, like he uh, played to reveal the the cover. They, like, released one little square of the image sure. a day for whoever made days. <laughs> like a JPEG. You remember, you remember people doing that in, I do. like, the early 2000s? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, he, was, he was doing that really early. Yeah, Wilco, he, uh, Wilco released, got on like, that. Snippets. Oh, yeah. Well, Wil- you know, when <laughs> they released Yankees. Snippets the of, the, uh, of tracks and stuff online on his website, you know, for his exclusive Bowie Net subscribers. Which you were not one of at the time. I wasn't. Gosh, I wish I was. Oh, oh man. Yes. Missed opportunities. Regrets. Oh, Such I've regrets. wasted my life. <laughs> Well, you're trying to make up for it now with a silly podcast about... That's right. I am. That's right. It'll never take me back there. It'll never make you be a Bowie Net subscriber. It'll never make you 17 years old. In 1999. Yeah. I'll never see Bowie live. It's all over. Okay. Uh, Also notable is... Pull yourself together. Which was revealed one square at a time. Is inspired by uh, classic awesome. images of the Pieta. Do you know what that is, Jake? Do you the, know what the Pieta? Yeah. No, I do not know what that is. So this is classic, like, from older art, Renaissance art, even before that, of uh, the Madonna, Mother Mary, holding Jesus. Oh, yeah. She's got a very obvious, like, triangular shape, and she's holding yes, him, you know. I know that baby one. Okay. And she's holding him. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Bowie is doing this. He's holding... Instead of holding Jesus, yeah, he's holding himself. <laughs> he's sitting there. His modern, his current incarnation with long floppy hair. Yeah, he's sitting there and holding himself from like two years previously, <laughs> with a goatee and spiky hair, like he did during Earthling. Now, Earthling was there an alternate cover where his head was up his own ass or what? Because that's like ridiculous. <laughs> Hard to say, Jake. If, if, if so, it was never released. <laughs> I bet. But, uh, <laughs> so we're, he's oh, man. saying that not only is like, he, he's not just burying his past, but he's burying his past in the form of himself as Jesus crucified. Yeah. And himself as Mother Mary. So he's Mary. like wearing normal clothes. He's, he's, normal he's Mother clothes. Mary holding himself as Jesus crucified. Crucified. Yes. Yeah. And they're both 
they're both they're both late, they're both kind of late '90s Bowies. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's not like him from the '70s or something, right? No, it's like him from 1997. I wonder if that's symbolic. I just I just wonder, you know, if that's symbolic <laughs> of something. Jake, it gets it, better. It kind of makes you think. I know you probably didn't think that the cover get any better than this, but it can. It's the best so Here's far. Out. And I have this version, early versions of this album. Yeah. Came with a lenticular cover, Jake. <laughs> Do you remember what lenticular means? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I remember that, actually. For those at home, it's those ones where they kind of have those ridges on it. Yes. And then you look at it, it kind of like slightly changes oh, as you move it. baby. I had baseball cards like that. They were the Oh, best. I know. I know. And this one, it just makes it look kind of 3D. It doesn't change. It doesn't actually move or anything. Oh, it doesn't move? No, but it makes it look kind of 3D. And I have the lenticular cover on the, you know... $2 one that I got from some thrift store. And, uh, I don't know where I got it from. Some, some used Wait. music store somewhere. Well done ago. by you. Uh, well, I think I kind of held out. You held out because it well, sucks? I didn't actually what? remember buying it because I had two copies there. <laughs> and, one of, and one of them had, uh, the person had obviously lost the lighter notes, like the booklet. Oh, uh, yeah, you can't have and that. And so it just, it just had a like badly laser jet printed uh, cover stuck nice. in there. Nice, nice. Then and then uh, there was the one lenticular cover, which was a dollar more, and I went, this is worth a dollar right here. It's worth, this is worth a dollar. It's worth like a thousand dollars. I'm gonna say easily, yeah. easily. So what he should have done is had the image change, and the Bowies should have switched as you moved it back and oh, forth. Oh man, that, that would have been, been cool. That would have been rad. Go back in time to 1999 and become the art director on that album. Yeah, that would have been even more symbolic. Right now, <laughs> do it. <laughs> do it. Get in your time machine and go. Just go. All right. So continuing on, yeah. talking about hours and stuff. So like I said, they were recording this kind of the same time as Reeves Gabriels was recording a solo album, which he couldn't get a record label for for a while. I wonder And why. Uh, Bowie has a guest appearance on that uh, album on an awful song called Jewel. Jewel. Did I listened to it. It was really bad. Okay. Really bad. Great. Does Reeves sing? Right, Does yeah. Reeves a singer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he sings on his own album, you know. Okay. Sure. I didn't listen to the album. Well, I don't know. One, the one song that Bowie appears on a vision. I don't know if it was like a Santana situation where he just like provides tasty oh. licks or what. <laughs> and that's all? <laughs> he doesn't do like tasty licks exactly. He does do like some good guitar work at times. He's more like... It's uh, a little more avant-garde a little more out there. I don't know. I don't so know describe his guitar A little more workmanlike. But let's talk about the Hours Tour. How many, how many dates did... Uh, did Dylan do again? Oh, it was 119 only. Okay, so for Bowie's hours tour, I think he's got to be because he did seven. <laughs> the whole tour. <laughs> seven, seven shows. Seven shows. That's um, that's less. Wait, yeah, that's less than 100. Check your notes. Oh, hold on, let me grab them. Okay, hold on a second here. I have to check my notes for um to calculate things. Um. I have a lot of I have an abacus in here. Okay, 119 actually is more than seven. Okay, all right, all right. Glad we confirmed that. Yeah. Uh, Bowie also did. He, I don't know. This is just the nature of the tour, apparently, because he did seven shows, but he did 19 TV appearances. Oh my goodness, that's a lot. I know. So that was the tour instead of actually going and <laughs> right, live right. shows. It was the promotion. He was just going like on everybody showing. Oh my gosh. Up. What so were some of those I had shows? A, like, I had original goal of of trying to watch them all or as many as I could find on YouTube, mm-hmm. and after about five of them like because he's performing like the same single over and over again you know? right right and then, then i was done providing the same anecdotes over and over again about how he wrote it and all well he stuff. doesn't get interviewed much he's just mostly just like the band you know he's just oh they do he's interviewed oh. in a couple anyway okay. i watched I quite you. a few of them okay 
Um, notably, in 2000 or 1999, he did his VH1 storyteller set, oh, which we yes. get into in great detail in the 2009 episode, which it's is the, the year it actually, anniversary it actually was released. Of the 10th anniversary. I know. Of this it's very now show. The 20th anniversary of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to say 10th anniversary of the 10th anniversary of it. The 10th anniversary of the 10th anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Now I understand (laughs) what it means. (laughs) So he did the lackluster VH1 storytellers. Yeah, as previously discussed. And if you want more, listen to our 2009 (laughs) episode, which only came out. It came out fairly recently. If you want a lot more, but let's get into some of the weirder stuff. Or let's do it. He he did. This isn't weird enough. Uh, He received an honorary doctorate at Berkeley College of Music. Ooh, Dylan's got one of those. Nice. From he received the Chevalier des Arts et Lettres, oh. a French award to honor important people in the arts. Yeah. And I went ahead and figured out that, yes, Bob also got one of those in 1990. Yes. Beat him. He was asked to produce albums by both Marilyn Manson and Red Hot Chili Peppers, but Whoa, he didn't do any- both. Oh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers would have been terrible. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Marilyn Manson too, Jake. They both would have been terrible, okay? Well, they both Give would have been terrible, but... Like Bowie, Bowie, uh, you know, trying to produce like a funk surf rock band, basically. With yeah, like that a, doesn't even make any sense. Marilyn like an, Manson makes sense. With like an idiot time. lead singer. Yeah, the Marilyn Manson thing. That what I can see in the, in the album, especially if we're coming from where he was, not post hours, but you know, pre hours. Yes, it would make a lot of sense. So was this? Uh, you, you might not know this, but uh, the Chili Peppers released Californication that year. I'm pretty sure. And that was like Maybe. a big hit, and it was it was big, yeah. And it, and it was awesome. Kind of revitalized them. It did. I wonder that, one? that wasn't the know. one, or was it the one after? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Bowie officially didn't do it just because he was too busy. Yeah, it did come out in 1999. Right about that. Yeah. Okay. So presumably that would have been the one. Wow, that blows my mind. That Bowie could have produced that. Rick Rubin produced it instead, apparently. Yeah, that's a bunch. By better. the way, that's that's way better. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Bowie uh, donated, because he was making a lot of artwork in the 90s. He donated an artwork to the New York Academy of Arts Take Home a Nude event. <laughs> I'll let you just know. Uh, you know, they don't have that in Osceola, Wisconsin. Push that one around in your brain a little bit there. The Take Home a Nude event. Got it. Take Home a Nude event. New York Academy of Art. Thank you, New York Academy of Art. Thank you. You're just like, yeah. Anyway, Bowie donated a his nude was just a black canvas with nipples written in Braille on it. <laughs> That's so pretentious. I love it. I know. It's good. It's good, isn't it? That is it's pretty good. good, I gotta say. All right. Let's talk about Bowie's uh, TV and movie projects here really quick here, and then we'll do a year and here, and we'll go in our way. Sounds so, good. We're doing great. Bowie was in a movie in 1999, which sounds a lot like the movie that Dylan was in. Oh, man, maybe they were talking to each other during this time. It's called, oh, actually, okay. Oh, shoot. I screwed things up already, Jake. You screwed it up? Oh, what a mess you are. I this question for you, but it required that you did not know what this movie was about. Well, I don't know what it's about. Okay. Well, all right. We're going to say it anyway. Okay. Thanks. You, uh, you already know work. the answer, but I'm going to go through it anyway. All, All right. right. So he was in a movie called Everybody Loves Sunshine. Okay. Do they, there though? There you go. Here's a multiple choice question. What is Everybody Loves Sunshine about? Okay, there's only one answer, or is this one of your dumb was all of the, of the above ones? A down-on-his-luck limousine driver. answer me. What? Yeah. B, an up-and-coming artist. Okay. C, a crazy gunfighter in the Old West. <laughs> yes. 
D, a lovable 400-year-old neighbor. <laughs> or E, a gang of gun-toting gangsters. Oh, see, I wouldn't have, I would not have known this unless you gave I it know, away. I know, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see, I'm going to try to think about what I would have answered if I didn't know. What would know. you have answered? <clears throat> okay, what are, the, what are they again? It's not the Western. I never would have said the Western. No. I down on his luck limousine driver. Okay. An up-and-coming artist. Yeah. A crazy gunfighter in the Old West. Yeah. A lovable 400-year-old neighbor. Uh-huh. Or a gang of gun-toting gangsters. I think I would have said the chauffeur one. Yeah, that one, the limousine driver, does sound like, yeah. you know, everyone loves that shit. Exactly. It is the gang of gun-toting gangsters. <laughs> gangsters? Or gangsters? Gangst- oh, yeah, gangsters. Well, it's 1999, Jake. They're not gangsters. They're gangsters. Yeah, but gangsters refers to, like, hip-hop gangsters. Is that what it's about? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, hey. Well, then. He's in that movie? I mean... They're British, so it's more like, you know. Ah. Uh, gangsters. Like, uh, drum, drum and bass, you know. Droogie broogies. But, you know, I guess not trip out. Trip out would have been earlier. Anyway. Uh, so, those descriptions I gave you are all descriptions of actual Bowie movies from the 90s. Oh, he, did, he did all of those. <laughs> he so was in a Western? We talked about. Oh, my goodness. We talked about up and coming artists. That was Basque Oh, right. I don't know if we talked about any of the other ones. I don't think so. Wow, there's so much movie history with him. I know. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. So everybody loves Sunshine, which maybe people thought was about something different. I don't know. Also was released as Busted. But it's it's like an acronym. I don't know know what it stands for. It's B period, U period, S period, so on. That's a terrible idea. It's a gangster movie. I did not watch the whole thing. It stars uh, Goldie. Was that uh, uh, drum and bass? He was a big drum and bass guy. Yeah, time. okay. Bowie collaborated with them in 1988, I think. Okay. Did some vocals on one of his songs. Like, I, he was one of those, you know, I vaguely recalled his name. Yeah, that sounds I also, thought, I also thought it was a woman because his name is Goldie, but that's okay. Hey, um, whatever. So it's about this, you know, like gang of gangsters. Gangsters, sorry. Gangsters. Sorry. Gangsters. Fighting against the, the Chinese gangs, the Tongs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bowie is like the only white guy in the movie. Definitely. And he is like this from old, this like kind of old school type, like the Cray Brothers style London nineteen sixties gangster guy who uh, who is like mentoring them essentially. Is he is is this a white savior situation? Does he like come and save the day? You know, everyone? I didn't watch enough of it to find out because I didn't right. watch it. I didn't watch the movie at all. I just watched the. He's only in it for like fifteen minutes. So oh, I found okay. like some, right. so some mega mix on YouTube of all of his appearances in this and just watched that. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So it's hard to say if he's because I don't know. They, they definitely like he's running against uh, Terry, which is the tough name of the uh, the leader of the king. He's played by tough. Goldie. Okay, gotcha. His name. Is Terry. His name is Terry. It's Susan. <laughs> His name is Susan. So they uh, they get in a little fight, and like Terry pulls a gun on Bowie, whose name is Bernie. Bernie. Nice. His name is I can't imagine him. And uh, Bernie, with the gun to his head, it just like pulls this like sweet little knife out of his belt and threatens him with the knife and stuff. But apparently they make it up because they're they're like hanging out again in the next scene. So I don't oh, know. I don't they're know. They're all good. They're all good after that. Uh, reviews are terrible. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to think this movie is awful. Did anyone uh, write the headline, Nobody Loves Sunshine? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, that's too bad. Missed opportunity <laughs> there. <laughs> Let's get in that time machine once again. <laughs> <laughs> While you're back there, you might as well take care of that too. Really right. I mean, that's, that's just, it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Um, Bowie actually is like decent in it, I think. But okay. 
I didn't watch the movie. I don't intend to. I watched the <laughs> clips of Bowie. Not happening. Was this after like a Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? Was it one of those kind of things? Like the, uh, no, the guy Richie, no. the guy yeah, Richie no, influence. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it in there. All right. It Whatever. was them like the, the whole review I read like described it as like leg, but but accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good review. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is good, though. It is good. It is good. So, Bowie also apparently contributed some money when production fell short. He oh, was, he was no. in this thing. Bowie. I know. It was only like $30,000, which oh, was not okay. much to him in 1999. That no. was a couple years after the Bowie bonds. Oh, he was flush. This guy had tens of millions of he dollars. He was so, stacking paper. <laughs> he was stacking cash into cash stacks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um, Bowie's other appearance, he was in a TV show called The Hunger. Not to be confused with the movie called The Hunger that he was in in 1983. Shut up. Confusing. Confusing. I'm already It confused. was a horror series on Showtime, meaning there was a lot of super unnecessary blood and guts and a lot of super unnecessary nudity. Absolutely. <laughs> Showtime, baby. It was a horror series. It was an <laughs> anthology series. Each story completely different. Um <laughs> Bowie is in, he's like, stars in the first episode, which had, uh, oh, who was the other actor? It was actually an actor I knew. Bob Dylan. Um, it was not Bob Dylan, strangely enough. Weird. He's in, uh, well, he's in this, that 70s show at one point. He's in a bunch of other stuff, too. That's okay. better than that. Anyway. All right, you know what I'm going to look it up? I don't care. Don't even do it. Um, Bowie plays a washed-up artist who was famous for doing shocking, disturbing art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, some of the completely gratuitous nudity, actually, there's most of it in this one, is uh, him, like, painting this woman who is, like, tied up. Oh. And this was the performance art. And <clears throat> she's naked, of course. Racy. You know, of course. Obviously. Uh, he lives in a prison, like, literally in an old prison that he, like, controls and everything. Yeah. And all kinds of weird, disturbing things happen. Sure. And some of his artwork involves, you know, like, he cuts part of his own arm like okay. cuts the skin off his arm as a performance piece and uh, it's yeah it's gross and disturbing yeah uh and then it turns out he's completely crazy at the end and like killed himself as an art piece that sounds i ruined the ending for everyone but i doubt there are very many people <laughs> are gonna watch this spoiler it alert was, it was okay but it was very like it was very late 90s like that whole showtime cinemax hbo thing yeah where they're just making stuff super adult just to make it adult that's right um it actually has like the the themes of it were actually very similar to Bowie's 1995 album Outside. Okay. With this, like, you know, grotesque art. I mean, it's such like a 90, we've talked about this, it's like a 90s trope. It's kind of a weird thing. It's like, that was a big, it's like, not gritty, but like grotesque. Like, yeah, right. Like, like really, like, just purposely disturbing. Right. As disturbing as you can get type stuff. Like, body piercing. And even, even story, like, people like Marilyn Manson being such a big star in the 90s. Like, that he kind of stuff. You just don't see somebody like that being a star right now no it's not in the culture it's right not now, really. it's not part of the cultural thing but it was then in the 90s so mm. it's very much part of that anyway bowie dies at the end of the episode he remains though the host of the rest of the entire second season wow bowie so he like he introduces all you know he's just there for for the first down less than a minute like i, I think of him as like the crypt keeper from Tales sure. of the Crypt, that's like exactly introducing what I was stories that's what he's doing yeah. and he's or presumably like, uh, dead and just saying, like, cryptic things. I watched some, I didn't watch all of his intros, but I watched a few of the intros for the upper, other episodes. And, uh, and, yeah, he's just introducing and getting things messed up. But he's, he's solid. The acting is solid. Okay. Way to go, Bowie. So I'm going to say that. Way to Bowie. 
Uh, last up is Year in Hair. Year in Hair. So, year. Bowie's hair is getting longer. He's growing it out. In 2000, 2001, he has long, flowing, luxurious locks. Absolutely. We all know that. And in 1999, he is uh, he's working on getting those out there. Okay. So, uh-oh. So good one, boy. Yeah. One. Okay. So what? So what do you give it? Do you have a? Do you have a? Oh, um, you have a three. Three. It's a three point zero. It's a three point zero. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. That's what I would have said too. I mean, just based yeah. on your description of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you know. I I support that. I support that score. I support it. All right. Good. Okay. Good. All right. All right. All right, so let's uh, throw over to points here, Jake. Some quick point it up. Here. All right, this will not take long for my points, but we do have a BVD theater to get through. So let me just do the points. Oh man, I forgot the BVD let's do the points real quick. Uh, the only thing that he did of consequence was he performed 119 shows, and I think <laughs> is that all? Yeah, that's all. So you know, and he did some with Paul Simon and Phil Lesh and Charlie Section joined the phrase. So. Um, based on the sheer number of dates, I'm going to give the entire operation a 1 today, rather than just a 0.5 like I usually do for his yeah. for his thing. So, that's it. That's the points for him. That's it. He didn't do anything else. But, as part of a, uh, a Bob's Bula bass, which we'll, we'll play the song right now. Wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't play oh, it. Don't play it. Okay, okay. I'm not going to play do, it. Let's do all points first and end things out with the, the BBD. All right. Theater. I love it. Do it. I think it's going to be enjoyable. All right. Great. Love it. All right. Let's point it out for so Dylan ends with one. Yeah. So Bowie has a mixed year here. Let's start with Omicron, the Nomad Soul. <laughs> Shall we? Like I said, it's pretty well reviewed and respected at the time. Um, I guess the gameplay wasn't great, but Bowie had nothing to do with that. Right. Um, I think it's like his involvement having recording 10 songs for this thing. And performing it, like recording, you know, vocals and these his likenesses in there and two different characters and all this stuff. And all of that's pretty kind of cool and interesting, especially the time period. I'm going to give him a point for it. Mm-hmm. We did with this. We didn't know how to point this thing because we never had anything like this. Exactly. No, not really. I'm going to give him a point for it. I feel like he earned it. Next up is Hours, the uh, not very good album that, you know, spun out of Obi-Crowd. Um, I did listen to it, you know, a few more times. I liked it more than I remembered. Oh, I will admit. okay. All right. Not that I still liked it very much, but I liked it more than I remembered. Um, it also has more in common with Earthling, which is his 1997 album, than you usually thought. Okay. Um, usually you think of 1997's Earthling just being like this full-blown uh, drum and bass jungle extravaganza, which is not. There's less there of the drum and bass than I usually remember. Okay. And there's more like of a techno tinge to ours. It's more of a transition album than I'd remembered it being. It's still a pretty big break between the two of them, but you right. know, whatever. Um, I have I have to share with you, Jake, some stuff from a Pitchfork review. Yes, contemporary Pitchfork review, written by Ryan Schreiber, who okay. was the you know, founder of Pitchfork. Oh wow! Uh, so this is still pretty early in their year. I was going to say actually, this is early. Pitchfork on. actually was actually started in 1995. I didn't realize it was quite that early. Right, but they didn't have any. They didn't have any presence they, for a couple of years. No, though. no, and they were doing like one review a month to start things out. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. But they were a little bit more by this time. Anyway, here's a few choice snippets from this. Here, Bowie seems content to cut his losses with today's youth and reach for the older set. Ours opts for a spacey but nonetheless adult contemporary sound that comes across with all the vitality and energy of a rotting log. (laughs) 
Wow, that's a uh, that's a very pitchforkesque review, especially from good. the oh, early yeah. days. Especially for the period, yeah, yeah, they still did lots of stuff. They're, they're much more professional now than they used to. Be. I know. I kind of miss the days when they would post just like a picture of a monkey peeing on itself or whatever. I was gonna say, it's one a, of my favorite reviews ever. It's amazing. Like, I don't remember. I don't even remember what album it's from. Of a monkey peeing into its own mouth. Yeah, I forgot what album it was, but. <laughs> That's that's just so mean. That's just that's so that's oh, so man. mean. They've killed right, some stuff uh, anyway. Right. For the better part of an hour, an hour, Bowie drifts through some of the most sterile and unimaginative songs since Sting released Marguerite Falling." Oh, a Sting reference! Ouch. <laughs> there are a lot of Sting references in reviews oh, related that's to this bad. album. That's not a, a lot of people are that's seeing not, him not, Sting on this one. That's not a good look. Not a good look. Um, on Thursday's Child, Bowie acknowledges his issues with growing old and possibly his dwindling fan base. <laughs> Throw Me Tomorrow, he sings. Not, not that I've really got a chance. At least he can admit it. <laughs> but just six songs later, Bowie regresses into the Pretty Things Are Going to Hell, an homage to his classic 1971 song, Oh You Pretty Things, and yeah. Iggy and the Stooges, Hard to Beat, Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell, Off Route Power. As expected, it's not something you want to find yourself listening to. Oh, man. <laughs> this is, and this finally, is rough, man. No, it's not a new low. But that doesn't mean it's not embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh Which man. is a pretty good, like, that's a pretty good tagline. This is that not is a good pretty low. good. Way worse off than this, but yeah, it's. Totally but it, that doesn't mean it doesn't suck, yeah. Yeah. So, and again, I said earlier that it's, it's less offensive than it is just, like, boring. Bland. Yeah. So I ended up giving it a negative 0.5. Oh, okay. It's a complete disaster. Which is important, but it's pretty bad. Okay, all right. Um, singles on this. Now, the thing about this album too is that by far its worst songs yeah. are the singles. Oh, nice one. And by far my least favorite song in this is the debut single and the first album on the track or the first track on the album, Thursday's Child. Which yeah. Jake, for those at home, Jake and I made each other. Worst of Bowie, Worst yeah. of Dylan compilations a few years ago. We did. I stuck Thursday's Child as the number one track on there. Woof. Just, just open so it right up. and obnoxious. And this is the <laughs> opening of the album, and it just colors it. Like, the second song I actually quite like. But, but, it's, it, it's the, hard, but that like, wasn't a it's single. It's so colored by this thing. Like, and it was the first single, and I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, don't that's, know. That's, a, that's a negative one right well, there. Okay. That's a full negative one. <laughs> Oof. It's just a bad song. Yeah. You wrote a bad song, Bowie. You wrote a bad song. Bowie, you wrote a bad song. It's so schlocky and so adult contemporary and so, mm. you know. Was yeah. Eric Clapton on there? Did Eric Clapton show up and just oh, lay I it wish. down a little bit? <laughs> I don't think Eric Clapton ever shows up on any Bowie's albums. I don't think they were clever. Well, in 99, he just showed up everywhere, bl- blanding <laughs> everything up. Yeah. He just started like wandering into studios. Yeah, he was just like... Laying down some guitar and then hey, heading on his way. Can I, get, can, I, can I play a lick on this for you? <laughs> Everyone's like, no. Get out of here, Eric. Get out of here, Eric. <laughs> Eric, stop it. Um, we already went to your benefit concert. A... <laughs> what does Eric Clapton have it in common with coffee? Uh, they, they both suck without cream. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about how they both pretend to be black or something. But, okay. <laughs> oh, man. You made this joke a double. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they those suck with that cream. That's good. I like that. It's pretty good. Yeah, except for except for Derek. Except there's Derek and the Dominoes is out there too, and it's just it ruins the joke because they're they're really good. <laughs> okay. For that one album. Anyway. 
Anyway, uh, Bowie was involved. His other singles from ours actually came out in uh, 2000. Oh. So we'll have more negative points to give him for those. Oh, later on. fantastic! I know. I thought this was going to be like a mon- like a really a really bad year. Yeah, you intimated next year. You intimated as much. I thought it was going to be worse than it is. Yeah, it gets. Worse. Uh, he was involved with another single. Um, he guested guest vocals on a song from Placebo, the band Placebo. Oh, I remember Placebo. The song is called "Without You, I'm Nothing." It's a pretty good song. All right. They did have the decency to present themselves sometimes as Placebo-y. Yeah, absolutely. Which, thank you for doing that. Thank I, you for that. It everyone. should have been a law if they didn't do it. It should have gone to jail, but they didn't. Yeah, I know. His involvement, it seems pretty nil. It's it's a pretty good song. I'm, I'm giving just a zero on that one. doesn't feel like it's worth the points. All right. Finally, his uh, movie and TV appearances. Uh, he's in Everybody Loves Sunshine So Little yeah. that uh, I'm giving him a zero on it. Right. And then The Hunger, because he was involved in this, you know, started in this first episode and then hosted it for the rest of the uh, the season. And it was solid. I'm going to give him a point five on that. Okay. So we average out to a zero. We <laughs> just, a zero on this guy right it here. It seems like kind of a zero year. Just a nil. It is. It's just a nil kind of zero year. Yeah. yeah. Well, Did a lot of stuff and all of those kind of like, eh, yeah, Well, I feel better because I was going to, I didn't think it would have mattered that I gave uh, the never-ending tour a full point, but uh-huh. now that I would have won with .5 anyway, I don't care. So... I'm fine. <laughs> it's all right. I was slightly worried when I started going through this. Like, when you started talking and he didn't do anything, I'm like, wait. Uh-oh. <laughs> what if Bowie cannot wait in this year? He can't. This is just, okay? not, this is just not possible. It's not I was right. actually wondering for a little while if we were going to end up, because uh, with Dylan, Dylan wasn't in enough, you know, wasn't in the movie enough to, you know, be involved with Oh, that. no, not at all. I was kind of wondering if we were going to end up with a, uh, a tie for zero or something. Oh, my gosh. That would have been, that actually would have been pretty good. That would have been pretty good. That would have been pretty good. All right, let's BBD theater it. All right, let's BBD theater, and then we're on our way out. So, uh, the okay, so here's the song. It's going right now. Jake wanted to call it due diligence, but Chaz spat right in his face. So instead we describe Bob's early years in a segment called Bob's Bula Bay. Quick break to tell you about today's sponsor. It's a new wine from Dylan. It's called Bob's Boujolet. Now on to Bob's Boulevard. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're so back. The impetus for this is that Dylan did nothing in '99, so I was just trying to think of stuff to do. I didn't, I didn't want to do like some you know, big story about 1962 or 63 or anything like that. And so I just started stumbling across some of his interviews and we might make this kind of a BVD feature as time goes on. His interviews are just, especially from 65 and 66 are just, they're bat poop. They're crazy. He's just a crazy (laughs) person. They're nuts. They're nuts. And especially when he's in England where there's kind of a, uh, there's kind of a cultural, like the rock criticism and stuff over there was just maybe even a couple months behind, but they uh-huh. had this way of asking him questions about being a protest singer that was like three years past him being a po- protest singer. Uh-huh. And that was happening in America too, of course. Everyone everyone was badgering him about that for years. Never let go, Jake. Never yeah, let go. N- never let it go. He's hey. going to go back to protest songs anytime though. Absolutely. He did. Oh, man. That'd be oh, crazy! That'd if be he great. just started writing protest <laughs> songs, well, he did it's that time. thing. Uh, he did that thing in Osceola in 1999. The, the grassroots. Uh, <laughs> That's where he signed that petition about Cypress Hill. He voted. He voted for hits from the bond. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that counts. Personally, <laughs> broke the streak. Uh, anyway, so I picked out a particularly 
ridiculous interview that he did in England in 1966. Chaz is going to read the part of the interviewer. Using uh, my world-famous <laughs> late 60s, early 70s BBC announcer voice. And I'm going to be Bob Dylan in his, uh, it is Bob Dylanist voice, the 1965 to 66 world tour. All right, mm-hmm. Chaz, the floor right. is yours. Having arrived in England just the day before, Dylan gave a press conference at his London hotel that may fair. The new Musical Express version has already been provided. This version is taken from, oh, whatever. I whatever. <laughs> Sorry, okay. This sucks already. Will you be playing an amplified guitar in your concerts? I'm not sure if I will or not. Does the term folk rock mean anything to you? Folk rat? No, folk rock. It's sometimes applied to the kind of music you make. No, well, they say a lot of things about me. I'm a folk singer, a protest singer, a protest folk singer. No more and no less. Are you still making up as many songs as you used to? Yes, I'm making up as many words as I used to do. I'm only interested in writing songs. I don't want to make singles anymore. Who do you... Th- oh. What do you think is the best folk singer in the world? Oh, Peter Lorre. Reminding everyone that that's like that weird little German <laughs> actor. That's not a folk singer at all. Be <laughs> mean. Peter Lorre. That's not a good boy, Larry Grace. It turned into Bob Dylan. Will you be doing TV shows for the BBC again this year? Yes, I'll do anything. But I don't know if I'll do them or not. I just get the word from other people to turn up somewhere, and I'm there. You've been influenced by many blues singers. Bucka White, Sunhouse Big Joe Williams, for example. Do you still listen to such people? I know Big Joe, of course, but I've never listened to these men on records too much. Lately, I've been listening to Bartok and Vivaldi and that sort of thing, so I wouldn't know what's happening. How many people are there in your backing group? Uh, 14, 15. What, all here? Yes, they're all here. What about Mike Bloomfield? Who? Mike Bloomfield. He played guitar on your last album. Michael Bloomfield. No, I used him in the studio, but he's not here with me. Who is? Oh, who is? Oh, George, Harry, Red, Jason. What's the name of your group? I don't know. I don't believe they have a name. What are the names? You want names? Might be helpful. Gus, Frank... Mitch? How much money do you make? I don't know. I don't know anything. People just phone me and tell me to turn up somewhere at a certain time and I turn up. I never knew when I was poor till I was rich. Why don't you write protest songs anymore? Ah, my songs are protest songs. You name something, I'll protest about it. Why do some of your songs bear no relation to the titles? Give me an example. Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 35. Have you ever been in North Mexico? Not recently. Well, I can't explain it to you then. If you had, you'd understand what the song's about. What are these film people doing here? I don't know. Who's the guy with the top hat? I don't know. I thought he was with you. I sometimes wear a top hat in the bathroom. Will you be meeting the Beatles? I don't know. What are you going to do in Britain? Nothing. What about the book you've just completed? It's about spiders called Tarantula. It's an insect book. Took about a week to write off and on. There are 360 pages. My next book is a collection of epitaphs. Is it true you're now married? Uh, oh, what happened here? That's my wife. To which she, somebody says, I'm the cameraman's wife. <laughs> it would be very misleading if I said yes, I was married, and I would be a fool if I said no. It would be very misleading if I said no, I wasn't married, and I'd be a fool if I said yes. I'm not going to answer that because I don't want to lie to you. I might be married. I might not. It's hard to explain, really. May we assume that you are married? You can assume anything you like. I was born married 45 years ago. 
Oh, you're married to Joan Baez. Joan Baez was an accident. A mistake? No, an accident. I brought my wife over last time and nobody took any notice of her. So you are married then? I'd be a liar if I answered that. But you just said you had a wife. That depends on what you mean by married. Is she a common law wife? I don't know what you mean by common law. Do you have any... Oh. Do you have any children? Every man with medical problems has children. What are your medical problems? Well, there's glass in the back of my head. I'm a very sick person. I can't see too well on Tuesdays. These dark glasses are prescribed. I'm not trying to be a beatnik. I have very Mercury-esque eyes. And another thing, my toenails don't fit. Are you still in touch with Dana Gillespie? Yeah, where is Dana? Come on out, Dana. I've got some baskets for her. Put your clothes on! What do you think about Paul Simon or Bob Lynn? Never heard of them. Bob, your hair has got me worried. How did you get it like that? How did I get it like that? I comb it like that. I'm from the New Musical Express. What? The New Musical Express. It's the leading musical paper in the country. The only paper I know is the Melody Maker. What do you think of England? England is okay, but I prefer America. America's what I know. It's all there for me. How do you account for your success? What I did, I did because there was nobody else around at the time to do it, that's all. At the time when I started, there was no folk scene in America. There was Frankie Avalon and Fabian. Before that, we were 11 and 12 and we played rock and roll. Then when I was about 16 or 17, along came Odetta. When the Beatles came along, there was nobody in the USA. They'd all become too old. And folk music, as you know, it came along to fill a gap in American music. That's all. Being poor when I was young didn't have a terrific influence on me. Where I came from, everybody was the same. So you didn't know you were poor because you had nothing to compare with. That was just nuts. That was nuts. And that's not even like his nuttiest interview at all. But Like what was going on there? The whole thing about him being married is <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, and about him asking, like, they were asking him about an old girlfriend, and he's like telling her to come out and put her clothes on. <laughs> well, that's the Dana Gillespie. Bowie works with Dana Gillespie. Oh, did, did he? Bowie dated her. I wonder if and, Dylan like, tried to get her started in a career. Weird. And it didn't really happen. They and shared. She was, she was I don't know much about her music, but she they was a shared person. some girlfriends. <laughs> Apparently, at least one. I don't know. Well, there was that other one. There was that uh, in the 80s. I forget her name. Uh, Fiona. No, not Fiona. Who was that? There was a backup singer that they both had dated, or who were rumored to date. We talked about it a long time ago. No, I don't remember. I must not have been listening to you or myself at that time. Yeah. You're such a jerk to yourself. I know. Well, sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Hey, I want to end things here. Yeah, let's do it. By talking about the beer that I've been drinking for the last while. Oh, you're drinking beer? I'm not drinking beer. Well, I... Whose fault is that, Jake? That's your fault. How is how is that my fault? <laughs> I am drinking a from Belching Beaver Brewery, which I've never gone <laughs> there before. Noise. I don't know where they're located. Uh, I'm drinking a peanut butter milk stout. Almost Whoa. done with it. Whoa. How's that? Are you going to take a nap after that? That sounds hefty. Well, I would if you know my kid wasn't awake. Mm, if you weren't doing a pod- mm-hmm. if you weren't doing a podcast right now. Oh, well, I was going to take, I really seriously was about to go take a nap when you called the podcast instead, so. Oh. Well, sorry to <laughs> I did this instead. I don't regret it. I'm good with it. <laughs> no it's regrets. Okay. You're drink, now you're drinking Feel beer. Good about my life decisions here. You're partying all of a sudden. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, have not sung 1999 since the very beginning of this episode. Yeah, how did, we how need did to that end happen? this episode. Oh, well. First of all, what are we doing next, Jake? Oh, okay. So what we're doing next is, of course, the year that's not too far away from 99, but we're, you know, we're getting to that point where the years are going to start to run together a little bit here. We're going to be doing 2005 next time. 2005. Boom house. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, but until yeah. then, we're gonna party like it's 1999. 1999. Okay, do you want to do a little? Okay. 2000 zero party's over. We're out of time. So tonight we're gonna party like it's 1999. <laughs> you don't know the verse either, do you? No, of course not. Because tonight we're gonna party like it's 1999. 1999.